Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. And on this week's show, we are taking stock of the Rangers one month into their 2022-2023 season. We're also going to take a look at some key uh, veterans on the team that that are having interesting starts to their season. We've got a few questions from our uh, lovely listeners as well. Really excited about this week's show, as always, and uh, want to welcome Becky back in after uh, a week off last week. Uh, Becky, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I missed you guys so much. Can we yeah. begin with calling out, Rob, that you kind of forgot what year it was? <laughs> oh, I was going to say that. Is it 2020? <laughs> Been a long season. I was going to say 2021, 22, and that was last year. Yeah, yeah and then I was like, wait. 2020 has uh, been a hell of a month. It's been a yeah. long, yeah, it's been a long two years, probably three almost, three years almost. Yeah, I did arrive at the right place, though, so we're all good. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, we are a month into the, roughly a month into the regular season now. The Rangers have played 17 games. They have a very average, but not terrible, 8-6-3 and three record. And I remember from our first uh, episode of this season, one of the good friends of the pod. I'm not sure if he has a question later, but Brooklyn Joker uh, asked for a vibe check. And Becky, you said, ah, it's too early for that, Nick. Uh, but I so I kind of want to put you on the spot as a way of welcoming you back. Now that you've watched this team for a month. What is the vibe check for you, Becky, uh, 17 games in one month into the season? So I think the vibes are fine. Um, they're not elite the way that they were at the end of last year. So, you know, but we have time to get there. Like, again, I always look back at previous seasons and like 2013, 14, the vibes were fucking bad for oh, God, a while. So, Oof. you know, that's okay. Um, We'll get there. I think the dad's trip really helped solidify the vibes, really enjoyed getting to know all the personalities of the dads. Like, for example, I think Barkley Goodrow's dad might be the nicest person on planet Earth. Um, Lafreniere's dad is like a clown in a very endearing way. And can you know, we just point out that Barkley Goodrow's dad looks like John Lithgow. This I does. agree with this. He does yeah. thousand percent. Like he, he uh, uh, he's a uh, far quad from Shrek. <laughs> he, it's it's true. You're not wrong, Dave. One of the only times I'll ever say that. Um, <laughs> so, so. You know, Laugh's dad, like Revo's dad is just the best, of course. Um, also, want to shout out the Rangers social team for like really just being excellent. Not only this year, it was like last year too, but all of the content was just like incredible. So Yeah, they're doing a really, they did a complete really 180 from what they used to be. They're yeah. very good. I got to give them excellent. credit because I got yeah. a lot of shit from people for calling them out. Yeah. And they turned it around. I got to give them credit. Also, like, they're good in a way that's, like, not super trolly. And I don't think being a super troll is necessarily an endearing social media presence. Like, maybe it was at first because it's like, at oh, Carol- shit. Carolina Hurricanes. No, it's <laughs> at but, like, Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, at LA King. Like, look, it's, like, it's fun at first because you're like, oh, shit, this brand is, like, out there torching people and, like, being a sassy fuck. And you're like, oh, great, that's really fun. But um, I don't know. That was very two years ago. 
I don't know. The Dallas Stars tweet from today roasting the person that paid for Twitter blue was awesome. Did you see that? Well, I saw I I was indifferent on it. I'm like, well, you're the fucking Dallas Stars. So, like, who cares? Yeah, but paying for Twitter blue is fucking stupid. It's not like when the Empire State Building roasted the Carolina Hurricanes. No, that was great. They got roasted by an actual building. (laughs) Like, iconic. They got roasted by a non-sentient concrete structure. Mm-hmm. And I I'm glad you too. brought up, Becky, I'm glad you brought up the dad's trip because that's something that we haven't seen in a while. Now, I guess the moms were, when were the moms, la- were the moms with them last year? Actually, for some reason, it's escaping me. I guess they were. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'm wrong about that. I was just thinking that that's one of those things that kind of went by the wayside with COVID, right? That you, you had to have a bunch of smaller traveling parties and everybody was, you know, the t- the team and the, and the, you know, tier A support staff had to be isolated from everybody else. Obviously with those restrictions being a little bit more lax now as we are sort of in the tail end of the pandemic, it, it is not over yet, but, you know, we are kind of on the, on the uh, other side of it and getting there. Um, it enables them to do stuff like this, but I guess the mom's trip happened last year, I guess. No, right? I think I, the mom's I, trip was 1920. You're right. You know what? I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the mom's trip was 1920. And yeah, I mean. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to do a quick Google search. I mean, yeah, it was February 18, 2020. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Just before the pandemic. Oh, so what's his face? His so, mom is like really gorgeous. I forgot about that. Oh is D'Angelo's mom going on that trip name? or no? No. Oh, my God. No, why am I completely blacking right? out? Who was like the baby faced? Tampa Bay trade really stunk. Oh my God. I think I'm losing my mind. The Mesnikov? No. 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 Brett Howden. Brett Howden. Brett Howden. Howden. Ah. Holy Did Christ. Blank- well, yeah, I can't blame you for blanking on him. <laughs> Mark so, Stahl's yeah, mom, Linda. I have memory hold Brett Howden very effectively. <laughs> That's the first time I've thought about him in years. Uh, I honestly forgot he existed until you said that. Well, I'm glad I'm I'm not the only one. But yeah, that was bad. I'm like, shit, I need to like do more crossword puzzles or something. No, it's just Brett Howden. But no, this is something that uh, this is something that that teams do that and the Rangers do it really well. That that I think does frankly help a team. And I think the Rangers, you know, we're going through uh, a very indifferent sort of stretch of their season trying to sort of establish their identity and get through this uh kind of early part of the schedule where you know they haven't played great teams but they you know and they've played mostly good hockey objectively good hockey but they've been a middle of the road team they were coming off a very frustrating loss two very frustrating losses to the red wings and islanders then they spanked the red wings eight two and they lose a really tough close game against nashville where they they really really played well they put a lot of shots on uc saros they got a lot of really good scoring chances uh, Nashville did a pretty good job, especially in the third period, defending the front of their net. But, you know, the Rangers uh, probably deserve more than one goal, I think it's fair to say. And they lost that game two to one. They barely gave up any shots or scoring chances against of, of any significance after, especially after Nashville got their second goal. So, you know, but, you know, having the dads there, I think definitely helped the vibes, as you said, Becky. And then, you know, things turned around uh, on Sunday at the Garden when they played Arizona, had no legs because they had just traveled. And had to play, you know, to uh, start two games within the space of 23 hours. But they were the better team. Their legs arrived sometime in the second period and they won pretty easily four to one. 
So that's kind of a, a quick recap of the last three games. But uh, for many of those games, Dave, what what stood out to you about about the Rangers in this most recent stretch as we're now recording this in the middle of their three day break and, and uh, travel out to the West Coast? I nothing has stood out per se, aside from ex- extended offensive zone time, which is great. And we've covered that a lot. Objectively, the Rangers are doing all the right things. And Kreider said this in an interview. Their their process is far better this year than it was last year. And we've kind of taken that for granted a little bit because their shooting is tanked. And Igor is not making the saves that he used to or he did last year. And there's a lot that goes into that. You know, I think we may be oversimplifying it by saying it's just shooting percentage luck and puck luck, but agreed. Sometimes it, you know, Occam's razor does factor in here, and that could just be the simplest answer and the most correct answer. I do think they have a problem when it comes to facing bad teams. They are like, oh, this team's bad, and then they kind of forget to show up for the entire game. Yeah, and that's one of those things that even if you end up putting up very good underlying numbers, because, yes, you are better than that opponent, you may not get the win because you're not treating the game with the seriousness it requires. And and you're playing a team that is, you know, in almost every instance in the NHL, if you're a bad team, you do usually work your ass off. There are very few bad teams that are also lazy. Excuse me. You know, that's honestly why you see success from teams like the Flyers or the Montreal Canadiens, even Arizona is is hovering around 500 and and bizarrely has the best power play in the league. Now, again, that may even out. Uh, that might be just a totally shooting percentage driven thing. But, you know, you're getting that type of team's best shot. Also, the Rangers are a contender there. No one's sleeping on them this year. So they're getting regardless of the quality of the opponent, they're getting their opponent's best shot on that night. So. Yeah, I, I think it, it it shows that you do need to enter every game with the right amount of seriousness. And, and I, you know, I think the one thing about this year's team that, that stuck out to me, kind of taking stock after a month, um, it's really interesting when you have a young child and you're often uh, fighting with that child around bedtime and they don't always <laughs> want to obey. You don't always see the beginning of these games. Um, I cannot tell you the amount of times I have, like, you know, it's maybe around 7.25, 7.30, so it's, you know, 10, 12 minutes in the game. How many times I've just gone to my phone and the Rangers are either down one nothing, or scored first and then gave up an immediate game-tying goal? I, it feels like, and I have no stats to back this up, but it feels like their first periods have generally been bad to below average, and they are not, uh, you know, jumping out to early leads very often. And that's a problem. That makes it hard on you if you're trying to, you know, bank points, get easy wins, et cetera. So to me, as we enter the second month of the season and, and this West Coast trip and, and you know, moving past Thanksgiving and that all important mile marker of the season, I'm looking for better starts from the Rangers. I, and, and I you know, uh, with West Coast start times, I won't be missing the uh, beginning of any of these games. It'll We'll see if we I can make it through to the end. But um, I'm looking for better starts from the team. So that's definitely one thing that stands out to me. Uh, Becky, what about you a month into the year? What 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 stands out? Well, I have a question first. Um, sure. What me. would you, because this is obviously not the eye test that you're using here. What would you call this? Your observations on the Rangers' first periods without being able to watch them do-do 
Oh, to- yeah. Tothering right. a little dictator. It's like, gut, it's just a gut check. It's just a, uh, and the, it's the, I mean, look, it's the sinking feeling of checking the score of your team when you're not able to watch the game or a piece of the game and seeing that they're losing. Um, and it just feels like that's happened a lot so far this year. Okay. Um, what do I feel about them a month in? I feel like they need to improve and I feel like they can. And I think that's, what's annoying is that they're so backing it up, right? Last year we were like, everyone was all upset and, uh, because they were there, the process was bad, but they were getting the results. And that's an understandable feeling, but it was like, well, they're getting the results. So they're banking the points. And then when they turn it around, if they turn it around, it'll be better. Now it's like the polar opposite. So like the voodoo that all the stat people put out there, I don't know what it was like, oh, I'll give anything if it means like they'll be better and like expected goals or something, whatever. Um, That just worked. But now everyone, you know, they're not fucking winning the game. So um, I think that the process is there. I'm not concerned. I understand that there's this Thanksgiving day thing and it's you know statistically true so I'm not going to argue with it but um like I just want to see them kick ass and take names you know and 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 I feel like they're like one step away from doing it like we're like one like cube away from solving the Rubik's Cube like we're so close so what is it and I will say too like I think it's super uplifting that Igor looks a little bit more like Igor not I was not concerned deeply but um I like that he's like oh I like to see more shots because it's just hilarious because we're so used to you know the Rangers giving up fucking 43 shots and getting like 29 and winning so right and Igor seems to like it well like it that way uh the Arizona game he definitely that was the most he's contributed to a win this year, you know, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that that they needed him to keep them in that game while they found their legs. And he was up to the task. Um, they defended well enough that Arizona didn't have like, you know, uh, chance after chance from right in front. But he had to make, you know, a bunch of real quality saves, which was good to see. And, and yeah, I'm with you there, Becky. No real concerns about Igor or Yaroslav Halak, to be honest. They've both been pretty good. Um I want to just Dave. A lot of a lot of people disagree with you, by the way, about Yarrow. Sorry to interrupt you there. Um, A lot of people were like, "Let's wave Yarrow," and I'm just like, "Are you out of your (sighs) fucking gourd?" Or that's par for the course, though. Very few people understand how to evaluate a goaltender, and we need Justin. We do need Justin back to just kind of go through these things. But fans are in general, and this really gets me because I'm a goalie. Everything is on the goalie. Oh, this, oh, that. Like, like what the fuck do you expect the goalie to do? L- like, put bricks head? out of his ass and build a wall? <laughs> right. Come, on, come the fuck on. Yeah, no, it's... <sighs> East-West passes that are making a goalie move, you expect him to stop it. I'm sorry, not everybody's Shesterkin. Not everybody is Lundqvist. He's a backup goalie. He's... Everybody complained about Georgiev last year, and Georgiev was doing fine, I believe, in Colorado. And they said, oh, we need to get a better backup goalie. This is the guy that is a better backup goalie. And you can't expect the backup goalie to, you know, get a shot out every fucking game. People chill. No, it's not like they're playing the Rangers. 
Oh, they sorry. scored a total uh, of five goals with Yaroslav Halak in net, and they've played five. He's played five games. That's yeah. all you that need to know. Is, that's yeah. awful. By the way, the the pod last week was it explicit, or did I just like come back and like drop seventeen yes, f bombs? No, in there one was minute. some there was some fun language. <laughs> Listen, it, it wouldn't be a normal you know live from the Blue Seats podcast without fourteen f bombs in the first eight minutes. <laughs> if you've ever sat in the Blue Seats, it's a yeah. reflection of of the you know the inspiration for the name of the blog and the podcast. It's also um, reflective of you know we. All three of us have, you know, kids under uh, around two or under two in my case. Um, sorry, I'm blanking on how old she is. Sorry. Um, oh, no. Yeah. No, it's around two is just. Yeah. Fun. And then, you know, full time jobs and all that. We're not allowed to curse. I, I'm at a point where I have to watch my mouth in front of my kid. So. Same. Or says holy shit in Jesus Christ all the time. It's like not good. But anyway. Uh, you mentioned this quote, by the way, Dave, by Kreider. I actually tweeted it out because I, I found some humor in it. And, you know, I sort of made the joke that, you know, both him and Truba are, uh, you know, they've we've always known this, but they are true uh, chart boys, stat nerds at heart. But I want to read the quote. This was in Larry Brooks's column, I believe, on Monday. Um, it's very professorial. I think you'll get a kick out of it and maybe we can talk a little bit about it and then we'll move on. Uh, so this is from Kreider. The underlying numbers objectively indicate that we're playing better than our record, which is eight, six and three. We talked a lot before the year about focusing on the process and not the results. But at the same time, we know we need to get results. So I'd say that while we're not exactly where we want to be, we know we're a good team capable of playing consistently good hockey. And that's why that's what Jacob has been reinforcing as captain. His message has been to believe in ourselves, that we are capable of playing to our expectations. So that's Chris Kreider to Larry I love Brooks. Him. What a great quote. And I and, and that is a quote. So that's exactly what he said, uh, unless Larry took some bad notes or so, or his recorder broke or something. But, you know, I'll trust Larry in this instance. No, that's look, uh, that is very encouraging to hear. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there who um, for a long time believe that the Rangers were anti stats, that they were just kind of. Uh, wandering in the wilderness and had their he heads buried in the sand in terms of the way they approach the sport. And I think that's nonsense, obviously, and it's been proven to be nonsense because not only do I think the coaches and the front office look at all the data and more that, that we are aware of that's out there now, but the players are aware of it too. And I think, you know, look, does Kreider jump on his phone and go look at Money Puck or Natural Stat Trick right after the game? Probably not, but there's also a chance he does. Um he also played the game and he understands what happened in the game. And I think it's it's easy to know as a player, like, OK, we should have more than two goals. You know, we've taken 40 shots tonight and 20 of them have been really, really good scoring chances. We should probably have a few more goals tonight. Um, so, but I like the approach and, and, the, and, the, and the message from Truba um, is obviously the right one. I also like how Kreider sort of made made it uh, obvious that. Um, or, or, you know, made it a point to sort of note that, you know, Truba's message as our captain, um, you know, just sort of giving him that respect. You know, I think some people are wondering if Kreider uh, is a little oh, bit yeah. upset that he wasn't named captain. And I, I think that's not the case at all. So, no, I just a very good quote from uh, the team's from the team's professor, as I said. There Any are thoughts from you guys he, on that? Off the quote for a second. First of all, it's a great quote, but. You brought up something else that, uh, to quote Peter Griffin, grinds my gears, and that's <laughs> people creating drama and scapegoats because 
this team actually had expectations and they're right where they were last year in terms of wins and losses within a couple of points, I think. Mm-hmm. And because they're not 17 and 0 or they're not first in the division, it's all of a sudden this team is terrible and Troop was the worst captain ever and Kreider should have been captain or Zabanajad should have been captain. That's not how hockey works. That's not how a locker room works. And these are the same people that are always say, play the game. You've never been in a locker room. Yet clearly neither have you because you're sitting here blaming Truba, who is, by the way, clearly hurt. And that Truba is one input of many different factors as to why the Rangers have not scored the way we think they're going to score. But they still have 52 goals in 17 games. So it's not like they're not scoring. They're just not scoring timely. which is consistently. Yeah, or consistently. And that will come. There is too much skill on this roster for them to not score the way they used to. And to find a scapegoat because the captain that you wanted wasn't named captain. And because, yeah, Troop is overpaid. But being captain, and this is something that really pisses me off, the best player on your team is very rarely the captain of your team. Brian Leach was a terrible captain. Mm-hmm. Brian Callahan was a pretty good captain, not the best player on the team. Ryan McDonough, not a good captain. Sorry. Yeah. Mark Messier, the, yeah. Mark Messier, great captain, not the best player on the team. Brian Leach was. Yeah. Yeah, at that time. I mean, Messier, when he was yeah. younger, maybe you'd have an argument there. But, you know, Not Messier, in 94. Well, Messier, I mean. Yeah, like, no, he was 34 years old or whatever he was. Yeah, yeah he was in his 30s. Yeah, He's our age. <laughs> oh, God, that's depressing. <laughs> and he played another 10 years. That's what yeah, he played another 10, He played until he was 43. <laughs> but, like, this whole concept of Truba's awful, Truba's overpaid, which, yes, he is. Truba's a bad captain. Truba's this, Truba's that. Chill. It's not Truba's fault. He's actually a pretty good captain. And you can tell by the way the team talks about him. Yeah. And he's up for the job. Yeah. Becky, what are your thoughts on Truba? Because he has been a bit of a polarizing figure this year. I mean, the thing too is that like you could be overpaid and still be like productive. Like like not everything. I mean, what, like only a Sith deals in absolutes, right? Um they're not like Life is not black and white, right? But I think he's a good captain. It seems like, like, look, I said the vibes before were like, okay, but, you know, I think as the season goes on, they're going to be great. I, I don't, I think that vibes need to marinate, you know, like a really good sauce. The vibes are rarely just going to come <laughs> off the bat or out of a jar good. So, so is it sauce or is it gravy? It's sauce, but also I'm, you know, a Jew from Long Island. So this is not really <laughs> my forte. No, it's sauce. <laughs> It's sauce. I'm at I don't least know who calls it percent Italian. It's <laughs> That's a um, very specific number. By the way. Yeah. What percent no, are not, you again? This is it's important. It's not quite 50. Know. I know that it's not quite 50. It's almost 50. Well, I got Italian. This is interesting. Anyway, ancestry DNA for later. Um, look, like I think he's like kind of not performing great. It's not ideal. And I also feel like we'll always be like, oh, there's injuries. But at the same time, I want to be like, if there's injuries, then just fucking rest, you know, like yeah. take a couple of games. Because if you continue to play now, how is that going to affect you as we get deeper into the season? Um, 
And I love Jim Ramsey, like with all my heart and I trust him. Like I would literally be like, hello, here's my two year old. Can you please take care of her? I trust that you will be just fine. Having never met the man in my life. But, um, I, I don't know what, like what's going on. I don't think it's like the pressure of the job getting to him though. That's, it's not like, I don't think it's a McDonough thing where McDonough, every time they talk to him after a game, like even if they fucking won, he'd be like, I missed that one. Uh, you know, it was my fault that they scored that one goal that they scored tonight. It was totally my man. It's really on me. I got to be the man for the team. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, like, stop acting like someone killed your puppy. Your puppy's just fine. Everything's fine. Nothing's on fire. Let's relax. Um. So, yeah, I mean, look, he could be performing better. I'm not going to pretend like he he could not be. Do I like him as a person? Yeah. Do I like him as a captain? Yes. So, you know. But I'm also, like, not having very strong feelings, like, truly, like, against any Ranger this year, which is kind of nice. I had certain feelings like that about about Ryan Carpenter, but he's he's actually proven to be pretty good. And then he scored a goal in the Arizona game. And that kind of is a really good segue, actually, Becky, to the next uh, player that we wanted to discuss on on this week's show which is Ryan Reeves. And the reason I thought about that, of course, was the, the fourth line and the composition of the fourth line. So when this team is fully healthy, there is a very clear conundrum where there are 14 forwards and they have no cap space. And it really doesn't make sense for them to carry 14 forwards. Even, even uh, let's just put the cap space to the side. You'd have to scratch two guys every night. And that's you know not really an easily manageable situation. Ideally, you'd have someone you could either send down or, or wave. Um, the Rangers a couple of games ago, I can't remember which game it was, probably the Detroit game, the, the one they scored eight goals, the one in Detroit. I believe the fourth line in that game was Goodrow, Blay, and Gautier, if I'm remembering correctly. And I thought that was the best fourth line that we've seen. That was the best fourth line game we've seen all year. Uh, the fourth line last year, I think, uh, had a little more net impact on games. Uh, I know they didn't bring a whole lot of offense, but they also played pretty decent defense and they did have some shifts where they kept the puck in the offensive zone. I mean, you know, remember Reeves scored a couple of goals against Toronto. He had a huge game against the Islanders. You know, the fourth line was a lot more active and noticeable in good ways last year. That so far this year has not been the case. And they have tried six or seven different combinations of fourth line players. They finally, I thought, found something that worked in the Detroit game, but then they ended up going away from it. They got Reeves back in the lineup against Nashville uh, for the next game. And, you know, yeah, he had a fight, but he really wasn't effective otherwise. So he is sort of the other player that that has started to get a lot of attention in a not so positive way. Um, obviously, we like to talk about the vibes. He certainly adds to the positive any positive vibes that are that are happening, you know, if not at times is solely responsible for them at the same time. It's starting to reach a point, I think, with Reeves where the deterioration of his game is outweighing any sort of intangible or office benefits that he may potentially bring. So, um, you know, Dave, I'll go back to you on this one to start. What do you think is the ultimate, uh, you know, where do you think Reeves ends up, you know, by the end of this season or, or even even before? I think they're going to wind up waving him. Um they need the cap space and it'll save them 
1.125 million. They do something. it now or soon, yeah. Yeah, something to that effect. I think they'll wind up waiving him and assigning him to Hartford. He won't go, and he'll just release them every game, and that's it. He'll collect his money. He'll still be with the guys at the NHL level. He'll still have that locker room impact, and that's that. I mean, he's not doing anything on the ice, and I love Reeves. I think he's just – I think he's great, a great guy for the locker room and everything this team needed last year. Yep. And you'll excuse my voice breaking. I'm still getting over whatever plague my daughter brought home last weekend. Um, but it's time. The ideal fourth line right now is – some combination of Carpenter, Goudreau, VZ, most likely with Gautier and Blay. Or, Blay. or yeah. I, uh, I think I'm over Blay at this point. See, I disagree with you there. Um, but let's stay with Reeves for a second, Becky. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts? And and do you agree that he's uh, his days are numbered as a Ranger? That would really ruin the vibes. Can really say that out loud. Um, I mean, I think it's good that Gallant is not playing him, and it's probably not great if you immediately know the person that you shouldn't be playing and continue to do it early in the season. But I don't you know, know. That's a really good point, Becky, because people were worried that Gallant wasn't going to bench Reeves, and he has. Oh yeah, that was like a really whole, good point. That was the whole fucking thing. That was like. Uh, he played with him in Vegas. He's never going to bench him. This is bullshit. No, Galant's a really smart coach. He, and he, he, I think, is aware of, of his uh, his tendencies and his favorites. But I don't think he lets it override his better judgment most of the time. Yeah. But go go on, Becky. Continue. Um, no, sorry to cut you off. I was in a, sorry. It's okay. I was in a zone. I, I think I was going to say, I don't, I can't imagine though that, um, that they'll leave him just because it just seems like so final. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like, I, I don't know. It I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just kind of like, I would be kind of sad. I would be kind of sad. He's a good character guy. I know that's not what you need on your team. And I know that it's difficult because it's, it's a cap sport. It's a, you know, salary cap sport, but. Well, you do need it though. That's the thing, right? And, and it, but it's a matter of balancing it, that with what is the on ice contribution. And, you know, the thing with Reeves last year, especially contributed enough on the ice that, and also, uh, I think Dave, you said, and I and I, I agreed verbally, but I was like furiously nodding my head. Um, he was perfect for last year's team. You know, that was supposed to be a turn the page on the disaster that was the end of the the COVID season. But the Tom Wilson broke the Rangers, and yes, you know, the joke of course was that they overcorrected in that regard. But actually, Ryan Reeves never fought Tom Wilson. Ryan Reeves had, I believe, one fighting major all year last year. He did not come here and just start a bunch of useless fights uh, and have that be his only mark that he left on the team. He really did change the culture and change the attitude of the team. And, you know, whether or not this uh, feeds into the argument about is he a deterrent or is he not a deterrent, 
the Rangers were a much more confident, self-assured team with swagger last year. And I think Reeves being in the room and being on the ice for even just eight or nine minutes a night helped bring that. I think the, I think the, um, the, the truth of the matter this year is the, is that they are a different team. You know, they, they're now, they're more mature, whether you're talking about the kids, but also whether you're talking about, you know, Kreider and Zibanejad and as leaders, Truba as captain, everybody knows the assignment now. Everybody knows what it's like to be on a winning team and they know what's expected of them. So the question becomes how necessary is Ryan Reeves? Now, if Reeves was on the ice, uh, contributing the way that he was last year, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. But, you know, let me know if you guys agree. To me, he looks too slow at this point to play in the in the NHL. He's not getting to the spots he needs to get to, whether it's to make a big hit or to to start a forecheck. Um, he just, you know, he, he even last year he was popping up in spots and getting scoring chances. I think, again, I'm not looking at his stats. I think he had four or five goals. He, I think he has three total shots on goal this season. He is nowhere near contributing offensively or scoring a goal. So, you know, this is a different Reeves now. And, and it, unfortunately, it's just age. It's father time catching up to an athlete who's in his mid-30s. It, it happens to every single one of them, you know, uh, other than, you know, a few who can do it into their 40s. But, um, you know, I, I think if, as I said, if his on-ice contributions were a little bit more positive, this wouldn't even be a conversation. I think it would still be a conversation because fully healthy, even with Reeves last year at producing, well, not playing the way he did last year, he's still the worst of the forwards. And yes. I know worst is a harsh term, but it is what it is. Um, funny enough, I'm actually looking at natural stat trick and Reeves, the only player that had a worst expected goals Share than Reeves is Dryden Hunt. Plus, this season, you mean? Interesting. This season. this season. Small sample size, obviously. Dryden Hunt played three games. Um, but I thought that was interesting to see. And listen, Reeves is sub 35% expected goal share. His expected goals against per 60 is, oh, actually, it's not the worst amongst the forwards. It's actually not bad. <laughs> Hell, that second line is track me. Holy crap. Um, Reeves' expected goals against actually isn't terrible. 2.24. But, oh, God, I'm looking at Hayek. I'm an idiot. Sorry, it's 2.22. And okay. it's the offense. He can't keep up anymore. He's too slow. No, he can't play offense. Exactly. Yeah, it's, he's got easily the worst expected goals for, which is why – it's an issue. It's because he just can't keep up in the offensive zone. And while his role isn't to score, his role is to, at the very least, keep the opposition from scoring. And you do that by keeping the puck in the offensive zone. It's a new game. And he's not doing it. And it sucks to say. I like. I think he's, again, the best guy for last year's team. Resigning him for another year, which was a condition of the trade that brought him over, wasn't the smartest thing that Drury has done. But you bite the bullet because without Reeves, last year's team doesn't happen. And very few people want to admit that. I would agree with that, though. Yeah, I agree. So, right, you paid an extra million and a half dollars up front 
to, to, to transform your team and change your culture. And it had to happen. You know, the Rangers were going into that season with absolutely no reason to believe they could be good <laughs> and no reason to believe that they could compete with anybody in their division or in the Eastern Conference. And they ended up, you know, two wins from the Stanley Cup final. So um, we will see where this nets out. Um, I agree with you, Becky, that that waving him would, would feel very final and, and it would not feel like the right send off for a guy who has been such an integral part of of the rev- the revitalization of this team. But um, that's sometimes how the, how the business is, right? So um, any final thoughts from you on Reeves? And then we'll, we'll get to the questions. Nope. Can I have a final thought on Blay? Sure, we could, do a, we could finish up with Sammy Blay. Yeah, because I want to do a final thought on Blay, who, aside from Dryden Hunt, is the third worst forward of Rangers in terms of expected goals for per 60, and he's played in the top six. Not a so, lot, but he has. Not a lot, but he has. He is, His expected goals share is the third worst amongst forwards. And this is coming, remember, I said I like his style of play. I think he's fast. I think he's a good forechecker, but it's not showing up where we need it to show up. And that's why I'm, I've been saying Blay is not going to be a Ranger next year. He either figures it out and prices himself out, or he continues playing like this. And the Rangers is like, you know, we're not going to sign, resign you. And that's it. Yeah. And it may come to pass that even if they do wave Reeves, that Blay is the 13th forward and he's the one who should be scratched. You know, if you start thinking about what is the first playoff lineup now, obviously trades will be made and such. But if you were to say, okay, let's dress our 12 best forwards for this very important game, Sammy Blay is probably not in that conversation because he's not. that assumes Vitaly Kravtsov is healthy. But, you know, he wow. literally has had four different injuries in the first month of the season. So, But Blay's um, been outplayed by Gautier. Completely. Big time. Oh, big time. Big time. And... Now, and keep in mind, if you wave Blay instead of Reeves, it's more or less the same cap savings. And there's a higher chance somebody claims Blay than there is somebody claiming Reeves. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. But then you have to deal with the insufferable people on Twitter who talk about Pavel Buchnevich. Think about that. And you have, Dave, you certainly have your uh, thoughts about Chris Drury not wanting to uh, admit that he got a trade wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's fair. I think that's, you know. I don't think he'll do that. A fair inference. I don't think he wants to lose Sammy Blake for nothing. He, yeah, but I do think if the Rangers make a big splash at the deadline, Sammy Blake is the guy that goes to offset salary. And I wrote that in the Patreon post about a guy that I really don't want the Rangers to trade for. But. Blay needs to go in that kind of a trade. Sorry, Becky. Yeah. We're on the same page on that. I don't want that guy anywhere near the Rangers, but seems inevitable at this point. We'll see. We'll also see if if he's actually what they need, you know, just evaluating it on hockey terms. Yeah. I mean, right now, creating offense isn't the problem. Finishing is. He might be able to help there. I don't know. You know, it's it's a discussion that we certainly don't need to have today. All right, Becky, hit us with those questions. Hold, please. All right. Built to Spill, who was really upset about the fact that he missed last week, but, you know, I hope slightly comforted by the fact that I, too, missed last week. 
asked us. Well, this is completely not Ranger. <laughs> this is not even close to Ranger related. It is Rangers related because of crab cell. It's that's that's true. What was each host's worst dental experience? Oh, Christ. Wow. It is crab right. related. All so, of them? Yeah. Like oh, no, uh, no. So my dentist is actually phenomenal. Um, well, he's retiring, which kind of sucks, but he's actually the dad of somebody I went to high school with. Um, my dentist was great, but the worst experience was actually something my mom did. Uh, I got all four wisdom teeth pulled in freshman year of college and they had to like saw the bottom ones in half. So I uh, had six incisions, oh, it was a little, little bit of pain. My mom threw out my Vicodin. Nice. I was so pissed. I was like, mom, I'm kind of in pain and Tylenol ain't doing shit. It's like, I don't trust that stuff. I flushed it. My dad did that for my brother when he had so his wisdom teeth removed. He's like, you don't need it. But my dad also like doesn't believe in pain medication. He's a psychopath. Fair. That is horrible. I feel terrible for. Yeah, that's for, terrible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So that's all. What is your worst like, experience? Food Wait, gets Becky, stuck you stuck in the holes in, in all the All right. Mouth. All right. Oh, all right. Uh, I I've sat in the chair for a very long time in in like high school years getting uh it wasn't cavities filled but it was like uh the clear coated they call them sealants um it's basically like a an epoxy that they apply to like the you know the grooves of your teeth that that are sort of like cavity prone and they had to do eight or ten of them in one sitting and i was in the chair for like four hours and it tastes terrible and you're you're yeah it's just i don't know i just have these i have these pretty terrible memories that i've tried to uh place in the same uh spot in my brain as brett howden meaning uh, a spot that i never go to or think about um but yeah now thank you to bill to spill i went back to horrible dental memories um good so thanks nightmares tonight yeah. yeah, I I have no positive dentist experience ever, <laughs> right. actually. Like, I have told people this before, and I mean it. I'd rather have another C-section than go to the dentist. I, I'm not kidding. That is not an exaggeration. A C-section is major surgery, major recovery time. Um, I, no disrespect to, like, especially, like, Josh, if you're listening to this. Like, I respect you, but, like, I just fucking hate it i hate the sound and the smell and like the having your mouth like open and someone's like entire hand in your mouth and you're just like drooling and they do the suction thing i just hate every single <laughs> thing i think about you it. just described you know you know what i'm i'm gonna Don't not finish that sentence i'm not finishing that sentence. i like i would <laughs> rather i'm telling you like i or not would rather i just like need to find a dentist that just gives you a heavy dose of like like ativan or something before or you go in gas. yeah just, yeah like just knock me out do what you need to do i i can't i don't know how people do it it's a very weird it's probably like a phobia for me but anyway um, okay, next question comes from Larry Bubbs. Larry's a very positive person. Um, I don't want to say the B word. I don't know which word that is. But where are we at with laugh? He's very um, blah. 
comparing him to some of these young players in the league, and he's leaving a lot to be desired. Not really sure what he does well. Yeah, that's a take. Yeah, it's a well, take. Well, you know what though? All right, so it's it's a, I, it's a great it's a great question, and I like the way that Larry phrased. It's it. well phrased. It's very yes. well phrased. I like that. Um, it's very interesting, and I was thinking about this earlier today, actually, because we were talking a little bit a little bit about how in the group chat, uh, frankly, how this team's future and whether or not it's going to win a cup or cups, that ceiling will be determined by those two kids. And I mean, Lafreniere and Kako. And I was actually thinking back to when we had Connor Rogers on the podcast last year, uh, Connor, who's since skyrocketed in terms of his, uh, you know, he's on SNY on the Jets post game show. Speaking of the Jets, you know, couldn't be better if you're a Jet fan heading into this Sunday's game against New England. Uh, most excited anyone's been about that team in about 10 years. But, you know, Connor's also a huge Ranger fan. I assume he's still watching every game or when he can watch. And he had some very interesting thoughts on both uh, Lafreniere and Kako. And, and I think there's been a really interesting almost pendulum between, at least for me personally, watching those players and and thinking which one looks more likely to fulfill their potential. If you asked me that question last year, I would have said Lafreniere hands down. And now it's switched to Kako. You know, to me, Kako is a dominant presence every time he's on the ice. I mean, you can't take the puck off him. He's, you know, he's creating offense. He's creating chances. You know, could he put up more points? Yes. Would, would, would we like to see him drive the net a little bit more and score a few more goals like the one we saw him score against Minnesota? Because that ability is there. Absolutely. But um, he looks like a, a, a second overall pick. And Lafreniere, I think, does look a little bit in between right now. He's kind of like one of those hitters in baseball, you know, who's in an extended slump. And, the, you know, the color commentator will say, his timing's off. He's in between. You know, he's swinging too late on fastballs and he's swinging too early on breaking balls. Lafreniere kind of seems to be in that sort of stretch right now. I don't think that's who he is as a player, but I understand where Larry's coming from, given how Lafreniere's looked the last couple of weeks. So that's my thought. He's not a bust, though. No. Oh, boy. Am I next, Becky? Or Yeah, you're next. Okay. I don't know what people are expecting from him, but I do want to point out that Laugh is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'll tell you what they're expecting, seven. Dave, just while you count that. Trevor Zegris is what people are expecting. Ugh. I'm just uh, saying, that's, nah. that's, when, he, when you know Larry says other young players around the league, Trevor Zegris. You know, for, those, that, for everybody with kids, young kids, Development is not linear. Development with NHL players is the same thing. You're developing kids, but instead of trying to get them to be functional human beings, you're trying to get them to, you know, be good hockey players. Laugh is seventh amongst forwards on the team right now. And like most forwards, he's well above 50% expected goal share, 54%. He is generating offense amongst the top five forwards right now, top six forwards. His expected goals against, yeah, he's not going to be up there because that line is basically a track meet with, you know, him, Trotek, and Panarin. They were trading chances back and forth. Lafreniere right now is shooting. Oh, crap. I just went back a page. Dumbass. Sorry. Give me a second. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, I call myself a dumbass there. It just reminds well, me of Legally Blonde. 
I got to well, find that clip. Lafreniere right now is on ice shooting percentage is 7.69% when he's playing with Trocek and Panera. That should be up to 12, 10 to 12%. If that line was scoring the way they should be scoring, nobody's having this conversation. And Lafreniere is not going to be the guy that says, oh, I'm going to take the puck away from Artemi Panarin and do it myself. We'd all get on him for that one. Give it time. He's not a bust. He's doing everything we expect him to do. He will get there. Remember, we were at this point last year with Keandre Miller saying we're wondering what he's going to be. And look at him now. He's the best left defenseman on the team. Yep. Paul Rudd mean. Look at us now. Mm -hmm. Your turn, Becky. Um, I think that it's way too early to tell. I think that, you know, last year during the playoffs when the kid line was dominating, you'd never hear someone ask this question. And I think we just need to stop being so fucking reactionary all the time. And that is that. Um, Last question. I have a question for the two of you after this one. Price on a cracker, David. Can you let me finish a sentence? No. Kevin at Spazo211 asks, 17 games in, how do you rate Drury's biggest offseason signing, Vincent Trochak, who apparently goes by Vince, and I find that very jarring. That's <laughs> weird. Well, Sam Rosen says it, and it's very jarring because everybody else calls him Vinny or Vincent, but there you go. Sam, Sam knows. Sam does his research. All right. I have to pull up his stat line first because I don't have it memorized. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go. I'll just I'll just fire off a take, you know, from uh, with no stats at all. Um, how would I rate the signing? It's a solid B. Trocheck's a, uh, a very good two way player. He fits the team from a culture perspective. I think he's fit right in. He's also been a guy that um, you've heard from in post games after losses, stepping right in and doing a little bit of, of leadership on his own. Um, you know, in, on a team that has a very strong group of leaders, as we've we've talked about. Um, and I think the goals will come. I mean, he has hit, I'm recalling, three or four posts right off the top of my head. Just, you know, I know he hit one in the Nashville game. He definitely hit one or two in the Flyer game. Uh, you know, he so also he blocked prob- the Rangers goal the other yeah. guy. That was good. That was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt well, you there. That's true, too. So you could take one of those posts away. I guess he even he even that out. But no, I, I mean, look, I think the one thing that I find interesting about him is that um, he's definitely a different player from Ryan Strom and he carries the puck himself and looks to make stuff happen on his own. And he plays with a guy in Artemi Panarin that um, likes to have the puck on his stick all the time. So I don't think Panarin cares and Panarin's going to get his points. But there's definitely a little bit a little bit of a. Um, of chemistry that still needs to be built there between those two players. But I think they'll get there. Um, and the other, uh, the other approach would be to, to, to flip flop Kreider and Panarin and put Panarin with Zibanejad and put Kreider with Trocek. And, you know, maybe we'll end up there at the end of the year. Who knows? The line combinations have a, have a way of twisting and turning throughout the year. So, um, you know, even though I think we all assume that Kreider and Zibanejad are going to be attached at the hip forever, I think it's a possibility that if, if Panarin and Trocek don't work, they got to try something else. But no, look, I think really good signing. And he's been excellent on the power play. I think, Dave, we were, we're all, um, yes. you know, talking about surprised. that. Yeah, well, and also, look, talk about Lafreniere not putting up points and Kako. 
They don't get to power play time. We're not going to belabor that point. But I'm not taking Vincent Trocek off of that unit. That unit is too good. They get too much possession. They get too many good chances, and Trocek's right in the middle of it. So he's been a perfect addition in that in that you know bumper spot where Strom was playing uh, last year and a couple of years prior. So solid B from me on the signing. Yep, I would give it a little bit more than that. I would give it a solid B plus A minus at 89-90 range. And he's an A minus. That's why God I said B it. plus A minus, Becky. God, you gonna let me finish a sentence? Well, listen. <laughs> me, me reaping what I sow right now. Goodbye. <laughs> so I was going to go into the bumper role. Uh, he's a much better bumper than Strom, and Strom was a pretty good bumper. Now, the bumper is, for those who don't know what the bumper is, it's um, in the one three one power play, you have the guy in front, and you have the point man, you have the three forwards in the middle. Bumper's the middle forward. That guy is not necessarily there to be the shooter or be the primary passer. He is there to draw attention and find open seams and stretch the, the stretch the killers out. And that's what he's doing. And it's very subtle movements. It's not so much the three, four steps to the left or three, four steps to the right. It's, a quick pivot of your hips to put your stick in a different spot, which means the penalty killer stick has to move, which opens up a passing lane. That's what the bumper does. And Trocek has been phenomenal there. I didn't think he would be as good as he is there, but happy that he is because he's great there. And the second piece that I know nobody likes to talk about, but he's what? 147 faceoff wins, 116 losses. That's at the 55.9% this year on faceoffs. Yep. He wins wins a lot. Um big he's going to be the guy that year. takes Yeah, he's going to be the guy that takes every single big faceoff down the stretch too. Yep, and he is also the only Rangers center Actually no, sorry. Him and Ryan Carpenter are the two Rangers centers over 50%. The only other player over 50% on faceoffs, two players, sorry, Kreider and Lafreniere. Right. And they take them on their strong side only. Yep. And they, Meaning they, if it's they on only the left, take yeah. left wing yeah, side. And they only take them on when the center gets bumped. No, that well, I think they have some plays where Kreider will take a draw, draw if it's on a strong side. Like they'll put him in there first. That might also be just so he can be ultra aggressive. And if he gets kicked out, you still have the center that can go in. But, um, yeah, I think Lafreniere, to your point, probably doesn't line up uh, probably doesn't line up as the primary draw taker. But I, I'm pretty sure Kreider will get, you know, three or four draws a game based on the location. Usually, again, offensive zone, strong side, meaning the left the left corner to the goalie's right. Um, but he's, you know, that's just, uh, yeah, that's one of those weird wrinkles. Uh, but, you know, the, the center position also isn't necessarily face-off dependent. It's it's all about, you know, positioning away from the puck and, and in the offensive zone. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it was a really good signing. Um, I think he's the kind of player you hate to play against and you love to have on your team and in a not dirty way. So, like, not in a Marchand kind of way. Um, I I like him a lot. I also, again, being apparently the residential vibe checker, um, really like him and how he did the, you know, behind the mic or whatever the hell it is with the Ryans, but he stepped in for the dad's trip. 
And I just, I really enjoyed his energy on that. So, you know, I say a B, but I think he has room to grow. Like, I'd be like, hey, you want some extra credit? Like, I think you can, you're capable. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I think also, you know, uh, 17 games in grading the signing. Sure. Let's see what it looks like after 40. Let's see what it looks like after a couple of years. He is signed to a long-term deal. I know the years did, you know, scare a lot of people when the uh, the terms of the contract were first announced. But um, he's been a really good fit. And, and I'll admit, I, I was someone who kind of when that signing was announced, I said, really, Vince, Vincent Trocek? I don't know about that. that. I don't know if that's the right move. But so far, it looks pretty good. That's it All for right. um, questions this week. So kind of late, but, you know, good questions. So I got one for the two of you. Adam Fox, Adam Fox leads all Rangers defensemen with a 65.3 expected goals share so far. But he does not lead the Rangers. There is one player who has a higher than 65% expected goals share on the Rangers. Who is it? I know the answer. I don't. Go ahead. Philip Heedle. Nope. Philip Heedle is 64.58. Get the hell out of here. The correct, first off, the Rangers have one, two, three, three. Rangers Wait, can have, I have six players at yeah, let's over six Can I have a hint? If I give you the hint, you'll know the answer. Right or you now. can just give me a lesser hint. Uh, he was in a Staples commercial? What? what? Kind of, like, I, I guess. Like you hit a button Henrik for Lundquist? him. Like you hit a button for him. You hit the Staples button for him. That is not a good hint. Well, when it <laughs> rhymes with that was easy. Oh, uh, Vizi. Jimmy Vizi. Oh. Jimmy Vizi has a 66. He was in a Staples commercial? No, I was trying to make the whole button thing and I phrased it poorly. Again, oh. I'm still getting over the plague. Uh, my fourth plague in four weeks. All right, guys. You're like Vitaly Kravtsov. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. The concussion, four it's a four tooth, weeks. it's stomach bug, it's fucking All right, bubonic so, plague. <laughs> Jesus. Um, the six players over 60% expected goal share in order. VZ, Fox, Heedle, 64.58, Kreider, 62.95. Lindgren, 62.54. Zabanajad, 62.11. Pretty good. Crabsaw, it's really interesting. 56.42. You know what's really interesting Five about... Time. Uh, what's interesting about uh, that top six is that, um, you know, Jimmy Vizine is now playing on the top line, and that's something that, going into the year, Everybody was afraid was going to happen and was going to be one of those. Oh, my God, Gerard Gallant is such an idiot. He just wants a gritty veteran playing in the top six. And actually, VZ is generating more offense than every anybody on the team or, or you know, on the ice for, you know, more chances for and less chances against than anybody else. I mean, look, he has been, you know, who he really actually reminds me of and, and the, the kind of player that he has become. He's he's very much like Jesper Fast. He's a little bit more natural ability. Yeah. He's actually a better skater. I think he's got a lot more his 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 sort of top speed is his top end speed is a little bit better. But he's kind of become the new Jesper Fast in a way. And that's not what 
you'd have expected out of Jimmy Vesey because of his, you know, college pedigree and Hobie Baker award. And people expected him to be a 25 to 30 goal scorer. And he's more of a 10 goal scorer, you know, a 20 to 25 point guy who posts now in insane, you know, uh, you know, metrics and, and is very good defensively. So I think, look, as we talked about earlier, the, the best iteration of this team has him in the bottom six because you have more skill up top and more finish up top in the lineup. But if Jimmy Vesey has got to be a stopgap until the Rangers figure out what the solution is there, I think we're pretty, I think I'll be pretty good with that. And I just find it ironic that, you know, Vesey's on the top line. He's got those numbers, you know, maybe Gerard Gallant does look at some uh, fancy stats now and again. It's also very obvious to the eyes. I mean, he's been very good. He's also third. Sorry, Becky. I, I said whomst among us doesn't look at the stats from time to time. <laughs> this is true. There's a very specific subset of people that don't look <laughs> at stats. Even though they refer to goals and assists, those aren't stats, apparently. Right. Also stats yeah. or not stats. No, anyway, VZ's been- got a 3.73 expected goals four. So that's third on the team. Yeah. Which means his defense has been even better. He's one of probably the best defensive forward. 1.88. He's the second best defensive forward. For bonus points, who's who's number one? Kako. Nope. Goodrow. Nope. Reeves. Rob, you're going to hate me. (laughs) Wow, Becky. (laughs) I, too, have the plague. (laughs) Rob, it was your first guess. Heedle. Oh, Heedle, okay. He's up and awesome, too. Uh, oh, I closed the page. All right, don't worry about it. Look it up. All right, we'll do more. Uh, we'll do more fancy stat review next week or in a, on a future show. No, that's really good look, and I think it, it it underscores the fact that you know what you're seeing from this team on most nights is good process, as we talked about earlier in the show. It's sustainable. If you keep and let's just let's forget about all the uh, expected goals metrics. If they keep putting up insane shot totals like they have been, you know, every game, even just look at the shots on goal, which are on the screen on most broadcasts now. It's like usually 35 to 20 Rangers or 41 to 22 Rangers or 37 to, you know, 26 Rangers. It's like if you keep doing that, you're probably going to win more games than you lose. Um, and and they have usually outshot their opponent. Uh, they have a losing record in games where they outshoot their opponent. But I would expect that to turn around uh, eventually. So. That's my final thought. Any final thoughts from uh, you guys before we gear up for some West Coast hockey? As you know, if you're listening to the show on Thursday morning, the Rangers will be uh, the puck will be dropping in Seattle at uh, at seven o'clock or shortly after seven o'clock Pacific time. So that's the old 10 o'clock start here. Uh, Final thoughts from you guys. Just, you know, in relation to Reeves, age comes at you fast no matter what. So. I say this as my back hurts, but I would be sad if he was gone. And let's go, Rangies. Um, I am hopeful that I'll be awake for at least one of these games. So I hope and I hope and I hope that the Rangers do what Rob and I last week said that they need to do which they've already lost two on this trip. They needed 10 of 14, so they need to win the next four. Make it a clean sweep. Mm, yeah, well, well, actually, so uh, it's, if you go back to the Detroit game, they will, I think it started with the Detroit game, so they're actually two and one. So they would have to go three and one in order to get the five five wins out of, out of that seven-game stretch. 
So right, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It was the road game in Detroit. It was the start of that seven game yes. stretch that we identified. Yeah, yeah. So they're two and one. You know, they're off to a decent start, and the Nashville game was certainly not anything to be upset about. But yeah, look, we do want to see them uh, bank some points and uh, and kind of get back on track record wise. Uh, you know, because that's ultimately what matters. You know, I, I don't think any of us will take any solace in 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 the uh, in the process or in or in the uh, underlying numbers if if this team doesn't end up in a playoff spot at the end of the year. But we're obviously a long way from that. Um, you know, uh, just want to thank everybody for listening again. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the West Coast hockey. Hope to uh, hope you can stay up for it and uh, have a great uh, have a great rest of your week. <laughs>